The clue is in the title, Aft in the Stilly Night. The Joyce household were moving again, and of course they moved mostly at night to avoid the demands of unpaid rent and landlords. Betrayal is very central in Ulysses and in many of Joyce's works. And in this beautiful passage from Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, Joyce himself sees himself as the betrayer. When he returns home to find his young siblings after a scanty supper, singing, and he knows that he's about to go for Europe, and as a member of an often dysfunctional family, he thinks his place should be there. But art always came first with Joyce, and I suppose that's why we're here, partly. But as well as being remorseful, he was impressed with his young siblings, for them liberating themselves, albeit temporarily, out of their abject misery through song, where they sang in the night and often throughout the night. And from then on, music became the touchstone of his life and his works. When his son Giorgio was born, he cradled him in his arms and sang to him. When Lucia was unwell, he filled the room in Paris with love songs. When his mother was dying, although he didn't pray with her, he sang to her, and she was a lovely singer too. Singing, I suppose, was his form of prayer. And after his exile with Nora in 1904, until he returned in 1909, he was estranged from his father. And when his father met him, he took him by tram to the Yellow House in Rathfarnham, brought him over to the piano. The father, of course, was a fine tenor, and he could have sang professionally had he the desire and the discipline to do so. Father brought him over to the piano, and there they duetted Di Provenza al Mar il Sol from La Traviata in a scene which involves a prodigal son who has returned. And there at that piano in the yellow house, father and son, in song and in silence, reconciled a particular hurt. Music and his wife Nora sustained James Joyce throughout his turbulent, amazing and roller coaster life. He pushed open the latchless door of the porch and passed through the naked hallway into the kitchen. A group of his brothers and sisters were sitting around the table. Tea was nearly over, and only the last of the second water tea remained in the bottoms of the small glass jars and jam pots which did service for teacups. The sad, quiet, grey-blue glow of the dying day came through the window. Covering over and allaying quietly a sudden instinct of remorse in Stephen's heart. All that had been denied them had been freely given to him, the eldest. But the quiet glow of evening showed him, in their eyes, no sign of rancour. The voice of his youngest brother from the farthest end of the fireplace began to sing, oft in the stilly night. One by one the others took up the air, until a full choir of voices were singing. He waited for some moments, listening, 
before he too took up the air with them. Oft in the stilly night, ere slumber chains hath bound me, fond memory brings the light of other days around me. The smiles, the tears of boyhood years, the words of love then spoken, the eyes that shone, now dimmed and gone, the cheerful hearts now broken. Thus in the stilly night, ere slumber chains hath bound me. Sad memory brings the light of other days around me. When I remember all the friends so linked together, I've seen around me fall like leaves in wintry weather. I feel like one who treads along some banquet hall deserted, whose lives are fled, whose garlands dead, and all but he departed. Thus in the stilly night, ere slumber chains hath bound me, sad memory brings the light of other days around.